show. Let's talk. My name is Mike. The email address, if you want to correspond, is let's talk M I K E, the number one at gmail.com. Let's talk Mike one at gmail.com. So I was a little bit of deep purple in the beginning. Uh, I can't remember the song. Anyways, a uh, little bit of deep purple there. So I had a rush to get this one together. I was um, preoccupied with uh, some maintenance on the computer. All right, let's stay focused. Our scripture for this morning comes from Matthew 19, and it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. These are the words of Jesus himself, Matthew 19, 19. Let's say our prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Oh, how we humble ourselves and pray, Lord God, forgive us, please our sins. Forgive us, O Lord, and forgive those as do we who have sinned against us. We thank you, Lord God, for another day to read your word, to listen to your voice, to know your will, Father God, above ours and above all others. The election is over, Lord, and the results will be soon solidified and and it'll be the end. But let us remember, O Lord, that always you are on the throne, you are victorious, and we are not alone. And I thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name, amen. So as far as the election goes, I'm not really going to say anything until all the fighting and haggling and lawsuits and everything else are over. I guarantee you they're going to come, and they're going to come furiously. So with that being said, once that kind of you know dies down or finishes and we have... Uh, you know, exact results or whatever, you know, um, then maybe I'll have something to say. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So this is something that I um, was working yesterday. I was doing something unrelated. And actually, I think I was in the other room watching television at the time. And this kind of came to me. So I, I wrote it down. And uh, nothing, nothing really big and important, but I thought it was pertinent. Before everything... After all is done, remember this. We have the same God who created in his wisdom and understanding all things seen and unseen, all that is hurt and is silent. Remember that he is the same God who promised Abraham, who called him his friend. He opened Sarah's womb, who gave the same promises to Isaac and Jacob of peace and blessings and prosperity who called Moses and brought his people from Egypt after judging Egypt's gods and its people. Egypt's king knew not the name of Israel's God, but knew his power. This is the God who called David his servant and his son to build him a house, who spoke to the prophets and gave his promises to save. This is the same God who came to earth and did save, not just Israel, but all. This is the same God who stood yesterday with Israel and stands with us all who call upon his name today. So that was just something I came up with. (laughs) I hope you liked it. I read this on World Net Daily, um, and I thought it was really, (laughs) it really struck me as as, um, relevant. And I forget the woman's name, I'm sorry, who wrote it. But I thought I would share it with you. Prayer for America. 
Almighty God, Father of all creation, Ancient of Days, we call upon you to move in the power of your might. We recognize our nation has gone the way of Baal and idolatry, and you are justified in your judgments. We recognize the slaughter of the innocent demands a reckoning. We don't come before you as a righteous nation, one that is intent on upholding the ways of the kingdom of God, but one instead that is groaning under the weight of corruption and wickedness. We know that there are none righteous, no, not one, apart from the atonement of Christ. We recognize that the institutional church has compromised its calling to bring the lost to salvation and has partnered with the systems of the world. And yet, my Lord, you have reserved the people who have not compromised, who have practiced repentance and the ways of your kingdom. Father, you remain faithful even when we are faithless, for you cannot deny yourself. Forgive us our complacency, our compromise, our apathy. Forgive us our inaction and our weaknesses. Restore the fear of the Lord in our land, O God, in our homes and in our hearts. Transfer power from the works of darkness to the kingdom of God and give us the wisdom and abilities to wield it with the wisdom of heaven and the authority of Christ. Father, have mercy on our nation, for our rulers are wicked and have partnered with the works of darkness. They have deceived the simple-minded and weak-willed. They have pacified and distracted even the strong and mindful. They have been empowered by abhorrent deeds of wickedness in their partnership to the gods of darkness. They have compromised our government, our society, our culture, our families, our public and private venues, and installed cultural evils, works of iniquity, and a culture of sin from diabolical orders of evil in nearly every realm. Spirit of the living God, send your angelic hosts of heaven to war on our behalf. Enable the righteous to partner with heaven in its kingdom of righteousness to bring down the giants deployed in our land. Anoint your Davids and your Deborahs and the children of your kingdom. Raise up and release Elijahs to confront the priests and servants of Baal and expose their impotence. Do not abandon us to the powers of darkness in our hour of need. If you do not intervene, our nation will be lost. And yet we know you care about the hearts of men. Rescue us, O Lord, from the tyrants around us. Remove, O God, the ungodly person's power, those bent on the works of flesh and the works of darkness. Bring them also, Lord, to repentance. And if they will not repent, then bring them to judgment. Deliver us, O Lord, from our oppressors, and let your Spirit embolden us to walk in the authority of Christ, who redeemed us from the works of darkness. Render your verdict, King of glory, upon our land, shut the mouth of the enemy, expose the hidden works of darkness, and release the light of your kingdom in our hearts, our homes, in the byways and highways, in the public and private arenas. May the sons and daughters of God arise in the authority of the King of kings, Lord of lords, and slay the giants opposing the living God, and make open spectacles of the priests and servants of wickedness 
for your great name and for your glory. We do call upon you, O Lord God, O Ancient of Days, to arrest the wickedness in our land, deliver your people and release your power and glory, and let God arise and his enemies be scattered. May the children of God arise and shatter the works of darkness, that all may know Yahweh is God and there is no other, that Christ is the King of kings and holds the title deed of earth and has come to set the captives free, to heal the broken, to save the lost, to reconcile mankind to the Creator, our Lord God, Jehovah. That was, uh, like I said, <laughs> I thought it was really important to, to share that with you because there's so many things that are said there that I've talked about before in different ways and so forth, and it kind of puts it all consolidated into one, I guess you could call it a prayer. Here's the bottom line. You know, yesterday is come and gone, and it's history, okay? So you can't relive history. And like I said in the beginning, you know, there's going to be all kinds of haggling and so forth and so on and lawsuits probably and who knows what else. And then it'll finally be finished and the dust will settle. Here's the bottom line, and this is the name of today's episode. Stay focused. Always remember, as I said several times in that last passage I just read to you, and I've said so many times before on the show, we are the children of God. We have been called by him, and we listen to his call, and we stay as faithful as possible throughout each and every day that we live here on this earth, and we call upon his name through the name of Jesus Christ. For he's our salvation, he's our reconciliation, he's our redeemer. So in the end, when all the dust is settled, when all is said and done, we're still here. And so in the end, or maybe the beginning, it's up to us to not forget what we voted for or what we felt was important, but to remember to keep that strong and keep that at the forefront. But most important, we are the church. Again, we are the ones that have been called out a special people, let us never forget that it's the gospel of salvation. It's the word of God. That's what we should be speaking about to others. That what is what we should be sharing with our family and friends and the stranger, whoever it may be, and let our lives always reflect our belief and hope and trust. That's it. So I'm going to get on to the topic of the end, tame, end times, which again, you know, it's something we need to be aware of because it's fascinated and also deceived humans for generations. It's no news, you know, it's always been something that's been brought up time and time again throughout history. And it's led some misguided leaders to form cults and worship false deities and some alleged Christian leaders to go and claim they know when Jesus is returning. I, I remember back in the 80s, I think it was, oh my gosh, it just seemed like every time you turned around, somebody knew when Jesus was coming back. And unfortunately for, for some, 
they actually had dates set and so forth and so on. And when these things didn't come to pass, well, in one instance, for sure, I know I can remember, they committed suicide in the hopes of meeting the spaceships, you know, or something or whatever it was that was coming to uh, catch them away. I can't remember the name of the cult at the time, but anyway. And the other part is that there's those that remain who now have had, as I said, I think in my last show, their faith and their hope and their trust and so forth completely and totally shaken. And I understand that. I had that happen to me. And I remember, I just thank God that even though it was a jolt, the first thing I actually did was I prostrated, prostrated myself on the ground and I just begged forgiveness. I begged mercy from the Lord for having gone astray like that. And then I made a promise that I hope I've kept over the years that I would never forsake him again, never let a man, woman, child, whatever the case may be, take me away. And I prayed that he would keep it so. But, you know, that's not always the case. Again, some have been, unfortunately, some are lost, it seems like, forever. And, you know, hopefully we encounter those people at some point in time. I don't know. You never really know. You know, they don't, won't always tell you this is my background. But in our conversations with them, hopefully they hear that there is forgiveness. There is mercy at the throne. And they can come boldly. And hopefully we can help lead them there. So, moving along, the book of Matthew, uh, specifically chapter 24, which is, it, Matthew 24 is almost one of those chapters that you hear as often or parts of it as often as you hear John 3.16. But it gives us a startling amount of detail into the end times and Jesus' return. But remember something. Jesus himself said in verse 36 of that very chapter, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. And just prior to his ascension back to the kingdom into heaven, he was asked again, and he told the apostles again, not for you to know. Don't concern yourself with it. Listen, if we knew the exact day and time, let, let's just make an example. I hope it's a good one. If we knew the exact day and time, well, let's face it, there'd be a lot of people out there that would live like Satan right up until that moment, and then they would, you know, fall on their knees, repent of their sin, and be saved. In not knowing, we live every day in hope, and we live every day in expectation, and we live every day according to Christ, not according to the world. So, again, we don't know when the Lord's going to return, but it Again, it pays us to pay attention to the signs of the times. Knowing when a shift occurs in culture, the spirit and the world as a whole gives discerning Christians a focus upon which to pray. Having the knowledge of the times they live in provides the opportunity to use biblical wisdom in the face of global incidents. That's what gives us the peace. That's what gives us the desire. That's what gives us the hope that during these times, and these are some volatile times in the world and in our own country, but this is where we garner our, our peace from. 
and our solitude. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So, you know, there's that. Now, Jesus warned about these signs at the end times, and paying attention to what's going on in the world doesn't make one a conspiracy theorist, not at all. Jesus gave us these things to, to think about, to ponder, and to pray over. Now, Matthew 24, it gives an outline of the signs that will signal those times before Christ's eventual return. And many of these signs are occurring today, spoken about that before. Jesus also actually said, when you see these things come upon you, look up for your redemption draweth near. Now, having wars and rumors of wars, it's not, uh, you know, an occurrence that's unique to the current day. But when it falls in line with the other manifestations listed in the Bible, concurrently, there's a strong case for putting these ideas together. And that's very true. There's always been war. There's always been pestilence, always famine, so forth and so on. But at the magnitude and the repeatedness of it, or repeatedness, if that's a word, I don't know. Sorry. You know, then we have to start thinking, wait a minute, this is something different. You know, we got the war with Ukraine and Russia, and that's pushing Europe to the brink of a larger conflict. And we're very involved with that, you know, so there's no denying it. And then you got China's constant threat to Taiwan and other East Asian nations with the threats and rumors of wars is undeniable. You got the leader of North Korea firing missiles again. Now, all those things together. So there's war. Let's talk about famine. Well, it's not something the United States has really had to deal with when compared to third world or underdeveloped countries. When I was in the Marine Corps, I was in Kenya, Africa for a brief period. And I'll tell you, <laughs> man, that was like fourth and fifth world. You know, talk about starvation and deprivation. It was just beyond imagination. You had to see it to believe it. But that being said, these days, even the U.S. has felt the strangle of worldwide supply lines. You know, we suffered a baby formula shortage. That was really, I mean, think about that. If the mother can't produce the breast milk and there's no formula, what's this baby going to eat? There was a rash of food processing plants, you know, <laughs> catching fire like out of nowheres. And then you had farmers suffering from increased costs across every aspect of farming. And it leads to a catastrophic reduction in available food items here in this country. The president of the National Black Farmers Association, he issued a warning about the state of farming across the country saying, quote, we're in a crisis right now, end quote. And even the USDA website begrudgingly acknowledges, quote, the inventory of certain foods at your grocery store might be temporarily low before stores can restock. And all this while maintaining there are currently no nationwide shortages of food. Yeah, I don't know about that. I know the Dollar General in the local area here, their shelves are practically bare more than they are filled. And yet just down the street, Family General or whatever the other one, they're stocked. So, you know, I don't know. Anyways, the struggle against famine is getting worse. And the World Food Programs, um, they've all issued a warning about food shortages in the future. All right? And now we got starvation. We never had that before. Not in our country. It's worldwide. And then after COVID and the war in Ukraine, 
you know, it's even more, you know, the food production is even worse. We're looking at probably, I, I've looked it up, 345 million people dealing with starvation. There's no need for that. See, here's the thing. Our sin is what's causing these problems. Not that there's any real shortage. Well, there may be, but the, here's what I'm trying to get at. If our sin wasn't so rampant, if we weren't so bent on murdering unborn children and drag queens and all this stuff with children, amongst other things, the destruction of the family wholeheartedly and, and on and on and on, the demise of the church as we know it or knew it, these are all the reasons why God's judging us. If these things didn't exist and these things weren't so, there wouldn't be these problems. God says explicitly in his word, follow me, listen to my word, and do what I, you know, do what you're, you know, according to my word, and you'll be richly blessed. See? <laughs> Anyways, the numbers in the end could be more or less. All right? 50 million people in 45 countries are knocking on famine's door. If we don't reach them, then what do you have? Famine, starvation, destabilization, and unlike anything that's ever been before. So let's keep this in mind. Pestilence and pandemics, still on the mind throughout the world. You know, we just went through this COVID baloney and all the liberty stripping restrictions that came with it. And there's, you know, there's many other diseases. But what is spreading at greater rates, get this now, <laughs> haven't seen this in a while, is sexually transmitted diseases. There's an epidemic again in South Africa of AIDS, monkeypox infecting the gay community worldwide, and <laughs> the widespread of syphilis. Now, this includes congenital syphilis in infants, which can lead to death, blindness, brain and nerve problems. And while the doctors and scientists and the politicians look for ways to combat these spreading diseases, they're leaving out the most effective treatment. And I'm going to say it again, because this is true for all of it. Famine, war, the whole nine yards. God-ordained laws, such as maybe case in point, Monogamy and marriage between a man and a woman. That would cure a lot of that sexual disease garbage. So finally, Jesus lists earthquakes as an indicator for his return. Now, while scientists acknowledge they have recorded the most earthquakes ever in recent years, they, have, they attribute it to having better seismic instruments to identify the earthquakes. Nah, you know, I mean... So it's a contributing factor in the average number of recorded earthquakes based on their magnitude is going up as well. And recently, the Salton Sea, I read this, uh, in California, which lays on the San Andreas fault line, experienced a swarm of 25 earthquakes within a 24-hour period. That's one earthquake more than the 24 hours in a day. Do the math, right? Now they're on the I mean they're on the smaller end of the scale. The largest one I think measured 3.5, but the thing is is that there's other places in the world that are having earthquakes that never had them before. And they're measuring, they're registering on the scale. That's the key. 
that's what you got to keep in mind. That they're happening where they've never happened before. All right? So there's one of those elements that I spoke of earlier where when, you know, in general, there's always been earthquakes and famine and war and so forth and so on. You know, there's always been the decadence of a society. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah and Rome and, you know, uh, oh, I can't think of the name of the country. <laughs> okay. Jonah went to him. Nineveh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, again, when it's all put together, the occurrences happening at the relatively quickening pace and the, and the, the staunch um, political divide that's in our country that shouldn't be because we shouldn't be considering murdering children and so forth and so on and drag queens in the you know classroom with little five-year-olds and whatnot. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> if I was a parent nowadays, I, I'd be like there waiting for the board meeting to start with a list of, you know, <laughs> of complaints. Almost as a grandfather, I feel like doing it. This is, these are sad times. These are sad times. And we have to be ready and aware of these times that we're living in. Because again, as the church, as those that have been called out, see the word called out, you know, not a part of the world, but apart from the world. If you're not thinking and living to the best of your ability on those terms, then you really better rethink the terms of your I guess you could say even your salvation. That doesn't mean that we're perfect in our walk every day and our the way we, you know, operate in the world because there, you know, there are we have to be in the world. And like I said in the beginning, we're still here. <laughs> okay? We're still here. You know, people look at death as, oh no, I don't want to die. Well, you know, one time I was on death's door, actually more than once. And I actually, the one time I kind of felt I was cheated that I didn't get to go because the pain and suffering would have been over. But God kept me here for a reason. Could be to do this show. Could be to do anything. I hope I accomplish what he wants me to do, and I hope it's for his glory and praise and honor. So these occurrences, many more throughout the world, they did, again, they don't give us a definitive idea when Jesus will return, but he did say <laughs> to be vigilant and watch what was happening. All right? Remember to look up, right? It says in Matthew 24, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord will come. But know this, that if the owner of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For in an hour when you least expect, the Son of Man is coming. You know, in certain respects, I mean, what I said before about, you know, if you knew exactly the day and hour, you'd be ready and, you know, all set to go, right? Same thing here with if you knew when the thief was coming, right? 
In many instances, when Jesus came, you know, in the flesh the first time, there were so many, so many, that least expected the Son of Man was coming. He said that to him. You know this, that, and the other thing about the weather and so forth and so on, but you don't even know the hour of your visitation. In other verses, he says, you know, the kingdom of heaven's upon you, and you're not aware. You're caught unawares. <clears throat> Excuse me. We need to be aware. We need to be awakened if we're not already awake. We need to be diligent. Now, I'm not saying you go sit in a corner or squat in a corner, whatever you want to call it, and, you know, do nothing but pray. Do something. Be active in in whatever way you can, whatever your capacity is or your capability. Be active. Be, you know, and, and stay diligent. Be ready in season and out of season, as the Scripture says. And always be giving God the glory, the praise, and the honor. Always. Always ask for forgiveness when you sin, because the mercy is ours. The grace and forgiveness is ours through Jesus Christ. But also remember to ask forgiveness and mercy on those who sin against you, right? Remember that. A lot of people forget that line. Okay? All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. I hope you enjoyed the show. Again, you know, once this election fiasco nonsense settles down because it's just going to get started, you know, we're only one day off and um, some of the numbers aren't even final yet. But either way, once all that's done and said with, maybe I'll have something, but I'm not guaranteeing it. Just want you to know, once again, we're still here. We're still the ones that need to stand guard. We are still the ones that need to be ready because we have been called. We are the church. God bless everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again. Goodbye.